Hello, welcome to a new episode of Supplycast, the podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Smith from Crown Commercial Service. Hi, Andrew. Good morning. Ah, shouldn't have said that. I should say good afternoon. Do you know what? I think this is something, I think this is to do with COVID, isn't it? I think we got so used to working at home and, and losing track of the day and not having regular lunch breaks, not having regular tea breaks or whatever they may be, that we now we now have very little idea of what part of the day it is anymore. I cannot agree more with this. <laughs> um, I, was actually, I was actually at my first face-to-face meeting with a customer today. Um, for two and a half years, you know, oh, I actually right. went to the location and we, um, socially distanced, masked, you know, yeah, and, um, yeah. you know, it, it was, it was a strange, strange thing. It's been such a long time. It was nice. It was really good. Yeah. It, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, it was nice. It, so it was nice to do it. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I'm a bit trying. It's like you say, isn't it? The days almost merge, the hours almost merge. So yeah. Yeah. That's just to, um, to, just for listeners, it's actually about 2 PM. So it's, so in, in, in every sense of the word, it can't really be morning. But in, in many ways, you know, what is it they say? What is it? Don't, don't the, um, what is it? Don't these, don't, isn't there a old Japanese saying about it being, it's morning somewhere in the world? And <laughs> yeah, that's very true. It it's somewhere. Uh, Andrew, first of all, can you just look so people can get to know you a little bit first of all? Tell me a little bit about what you do at Crown Commercial Service and how you came to be there. And what your sort of background is as quickly as you can. Tough question quickly, but, you know. That's not really a tough question at all. I'm 30 years in the IT industry um, in procurement through to installation. I'm working for global uh, organisations down to working for myself as a SME and everything in between. I moved to the to Crown Commercial Service. Uh, nearly four years ago, I uh, started working on an area called sustainability and environment. So I'm the lead researcher for sustainability and environment within CCS, working with suppliers and customers uh, combined to help drive toward a sustainable agenda and uh, carbon reduction and so on and so forth. Okay. And today we we, uh, we had a little chat beforehand about the kind of things you want to talk about. And the areas we really want to get into are, I suppose... You know, we, we live in a, well, I suppose we've always lived in a time like this, but we particularly live in a time of buzzwords now around anything to do with the environment, uh, sustainability, carbon reduction, uh, net zero, these sorts of things. Well, how would you define the sort of times we're living in at the moment in terms of our understanding of those things and, and their importance? It's, there's different areas within sustainability. Now, the way that I define it is sustainability is the overall under sustainability, um, you've got the environment. Make the environment work and helping the environment via sustainable uh, purchasing or use of use of it to help it recover. And carbon reduction, again, is led in by the work that you do under the sustainability banner within the environment. Mm. But there's a lot of, I mean, it's grown exponentially over the last two, three years, especially after the COVID lockdown. You had um, people suddenly realised the air was cleaner and you know yeah. the waters were getting cleaner and everything was much nicer so they realized there was actually a way forward with doing this and the a build back better started up mm-hmm. as well they said if we're going you know let, let's use this as an example of what we can
can do to move forward uh, in, a, in a stronger position, which uh, has been fantastic, really. Um, people have now got a better understanding, but there's still a little bit of confusion over, you know, sort of different areas, but it's people are learning as they go along, which is ideal. And does, does all that include the circular economy? Absolutely. Circular um, is becoming more and more apparent for us at CTS, it's becoming more apparent on our uh, agreements, our commercial agreements with products, mainly because it is a product thing rather than obviously a service thing. But it's utilising that product and that um, and what it's been used for to extend that lifestyle. One of the most common ones is with a laptop. So once a laptop has maybe finished its first term of use in an organisation, which used to be three years, it's now close to four that laptop will be refurbished and then reutilized for another four or five years doing mm-hmm. other jobs in other organizations. It's a 70% reduction is, you know, next to no carbon and so on and so forth. So it's utilizing what we've got, utilizing those core items for longer. Mm-hmm. That's something we've got to learn to do. So go away from this. Oh, it's broken. Chuck it away and buy a new one. It's a case, oh, it's broken. How can we fix it? It should be the first thing that goes across people's minds. And that will, you know, bring in the circular economy with what we're doing. So how's it been, how's sustainability been incorporated into procurement at CCS? It's, it's, um, the creation of new commercial agreements within CCS is, is an ongoing, constant process that we have. Uh, because you create an agreement and it can be live for two to four years, depending on the agreement, where it's sitting and what sector. Mm-hmm. So as those agreements are reiterated, we're bringing in new elements to them as well. Because also, you know, we, we're listening to what the customer wants, listening to what the suppliers have, and, you know, for us to move forward with it. And part of it now, we're hearing more and more about they want sustainability involved. Classic example is we have an agreement for uh, transport and traffic and technologies around that. The... The new one that's just gone live uh, tail end of last year has a section on it for sustainable transport, which is looking at not just EV charges, but also hydrogen and so on and so forth. So it's a case of building these in. As something becomes reiterated, we're incorporating sustainability as an element of that rebuild, you know, such as refurbished equipment as well. What about one of the catchwords, soundbites that we've heard that's been popular over the last number of years, carbon footprint? Where are we with carbon reduction at the moment, would you say? That is the big one, isn't it? It you, you seems that you can't go onto social media or the news or anywhere without somebody mentioning somewhere along the line the reduction of CO2, mm. carbon reduction. Um, and again, that's being built into everything. We have the targets of 2050. Uh, we're finding, or I'm finding personally, a lot of uh, councils, district councils and local councils have got faster targets than that. They want to do it. 2030, 2035, around that sort of area. So organisation, our customers, or customers' organisations, are looking at how they can see carbon reduction, how they can reduce that carbon reduction, how they reduce that carbon from all aspects as well. So as mentioned earlier about uh, circular economy, building programmes are now using, um, especially if it's a big industrial build, are using uh, recycled steel from old buildings that have been knocked down. So instead of it just going straight into waste somewhere, it's actually being reutilised and actually used to repurpose new buildings, which is exactly what we should be doing. But by doing that, you're also reducing that carbon. So there's a lot of learning as well, not just, you know, as we said, with the sustainability environment, 
but just on what carbon is and how it should be reduced. I mean, I keep I do training courses. I think I say to people, we don't want zero. That means we've got to stop breathing, and that is not the plan forward at all. <laughs> that would be tricky. That would that, 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 that would yeah. that would grind everything to a halt, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, what about CCS suppliers? How are they dealing with all these, you know, these new edicts, requirements, etc.? And they're doing really well. They're, there's no doubt about it. The supply chain. Um, we've just brought out, or I say we, uh, cabinet office brought out a PPN last year mm-hmm. uh, called, uh, called uh, carbon reduction for major contracts. And it requires suppliers to issue what's known as a CRP, a carbon reduction plan. Because what are they doing for their reduction of carbon? They they have to give information on what their current emissions are for scope one, two, three on a base year and on their current year and look at how they are aiming to reduce that carbon by in line with the 2050 target. Majority of them, they're all aiming at earlier. They're all aiming at earlier. It's all within that 2030 to 2040 timeframe that I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier for some of the customers. The suppliers are doing the same. They're doing an amazing job. And, you know, and I, I run training courses to help suppliers with um, finding this information out. And they, you know, a lot of them are much further ahead than they actually, one, they realise, or two, than anybody would have taken consideration for the supply market being this far ahead already. They are really, really good. And they're, they're embracing it as well. They're saying, no, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Let's promote it. Let's tell the world about what we're doing, which is the right thing. You recently wrote an article that you drew my attention to prior to this podcast. Thank you very much, Andrew. <laughs> called, the sustainable, <laughs> called the Sustainable Domino about healthcare sector effects on the Clean Air Zone Initiative from the government. Did this, how has this changed? Did this change due to the pandemic? Did it change? How has it changed? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit. The, the idea of the sustainable domino and the, the domino theory, um, you know, one, one, you do one action, it has a knock-on effect um, of other actions. But it was try, it, the whole point around it was trying to look at the much bigger picture. So if a council has a clean air zone and they're reducing the cars in that area and the pollutants from those cars in those areas to make the air cleaner, then respiratory issues are... Um, slowly brought down and therefore the health sector supply and work that's needed for any any um, patient with respiratory issues becomes easier and easier and easier so it's easing that down now that's one little segment of it i mean if they go down the whole route of you know reducing the amount of power they use via leds using wind turbines solar and so on and so forth they can have this this knock-on effect on the health of the population so you know i, I put this down i wrote the article and mainly it was after the pandemic, the, the um, British Lung Foundation, the BLF, produced some documentation saying that 2 million uh, people that, that were on their books, or recorded on their books as people with respiratory issues, said that during the first lockdown in, was it March, April, May of 2020, their breathing became easier. And that wasn't just people using aspirin inhalers it was also mm-hmm. people that actually undergone um, lung transplant operations as well so quite serious operations mm-hmm. um and they found that their breathing was easier that their everything they you know they weren't out of breath so much either because the air they were taking in was cleaner because it wasn't a constant you know the sort of supply of cars and planes outside polluting the air so it is for everything that bad that went on with 
the pandemic and you know the, the thousands of people that lost lives which is horrifying it, on the environmental side it was an interesting time to see what would happen if people stopped driving the cars mm. and we've, yeah. we've all seen it's you know fish suddenly start turning up in the streams of venice the yeah. pollution and smog just disappeared yeah and all of that pollution and smog would go into your lungs mm. and now we, you know and the blf got got this information from their members about how much easier it was for them to breathe so if it is a case of introducing a clean air zone by a local council, could actually have this knock-on effect, this domino effect, to the health centre services around the corner. So it's looking at that much bigger picture as it goes along. That's that's the whole plan of it. That's fascinating stuff because, I mean, I noticed it. You know, I live in quite a sort of green area. I must admit, I noticed it a lot. Even things to, I think, you know, you could hear, you could hear birds more. They seem to be singing more themselves and that. You know, I don't know if they, it was after to sing without coughing before, do you know what I mean? So you have to be a particularly, <laughs> yeah. particularly gifted singer to be able to go through it. But I, I, I suppose in a way that was a one, well, we, you know, sadly it probably won't be, but in a way up until that point, certainly, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity to, to analyse those sorts of things in this sort of mass, as you say, clean air environment that we were, that we were forced into. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's an experiment that's never going to take in place. We could never have turned around, even if every environmental mm. professional in the world said, can we stop flying and driving for three months, please? No. You know it would yeah. never, ever happen. No, no. So this happened. The reasons behind it, as I said, is horrific. It really is. Yeah. But, you know, let's take some good from that. Let's bring some good forward from it and say, mm. okay, we've proved what can happen. Let's accelerate the, the plans for renewables. Let's accelerate the different environmental changes that we need. Let's accelerate ourselves in making changes ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. Even if it's, you know, anything from just doing sort of like the meat-free Mondays through to actually I'm not going to go abroad for that stag weekend again to Krakow for a long weekend that I won't remember. You know, it's mm-hmm. making those little changes ourselves as well. We'll have this knock-on long-term effect. Have you been to a stag weekend in Krakow? Andrew, was that was that autobiographical? In the last seat, I can't remember. <laughs> you know what they say: if you can remember it, you weren't there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it, it did become a big thing for a while. That every stag weekend was mm. it was a weekend abroad somewhere. Mm. Yeah, 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 wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It, it just and also flights became so cheap. You could do a day trip yes. to a European city. Yeah, you know. It's changing, changing our, it's changing our consumption ways in some respects on that, which is again incorporate circular economy and sustainability. Of it. Just how sustainable is it to keep doing tricks? Uh, do you have the same thought process now in regards to domino, domino effect with procurement? Yeah, absolutely. I, mm. I do think um, whatever it is that we bring in on any of the commercial agreements across the whole of CCS, what is the knock-on effect? Mm-hmm. five or six layers layers away. So it's mm-hmm. not just a case of, say, installing an EV charger in a car park will lead to, you know, more EVs, cleaner air, so on and so forth. You know, it's even down to, you know, if we have the renewables over there in this field, how can we rewild that field? How can we help that field, even though it's got a load of technology sitting on top of it being, say, solar panels? Um, how do we put solar panels on roofs? One of the big ones is solar panels on car parks. To provide that power to have less draw on the on the grid from everything else, 
But if we do that, so if we do that, what's not going to affect, again, like I say, about four or five steps down? Will that encourage more EV? Will it encourage um, changes of commute? And we've already seen things like now you've got, you know, thousand seat, you know, offices that are now being reduced to just a couple of hundred because of hybrid working. So there's less commuting going on. So it's going to be interesting to see how the figures stack up over the course of the next two, three years. I think 2025, 26, we'll start seeing some really settled figures that we'll be able to analyse and see how that works, how everything's working. There's a lot of talk recently about a shortage in, a brain shortage in sustainable professionals. Um, how do you see that at the moment? Do you see that getting better? I totally agree. Um, a brain shortage is a brilliant way of putting it. Actually, mm. congratulations on that one. That's a nice way of doing it. Um, yes, I mean, I was chatting to you know a friend of mine also in a similar environment to myself, and um, he was saying that there was training courses that used to be run for specifically for environmental professionals. So looking at emissions, looking at sustainability of business, so and so forth. And this was about seven years ago, and it was cancelled because they didn't get anyone attending. So they actually cancelled it. They've just relaunched it and every single class is full. So companies are looking at it more. Businesses are looking at how do they make themselves more sustainable? How can they give themselves a more sustainable future to move forward? And show also to their customers as well. When the customers are saying, we could really do with a, you know, with you to have the same ethos as ourselves. As I mentioned earlier, some of the um, councils, you know, sort of like the the uh, district councils and city councils are looking at these these quite tight you know time frames. They need people that can actually work, and it's um, so it's going up. People are realising actually this is a really good profession, and it is. It's hard. I'm not going to say it's easy. It is hard mentally and physically on you as well of um, of working this at the moment because of the pressure that everyone's under, mm-hmm. and also it's one of those things where sometimes a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing because you're learning about all of the issues to climate change it can sometimes affect you a little bit so you find that mm-hmm. a lot of people like myself are quite hopeful because even though all the bad stuff we still we still hang on to that hope we can actually help this we can fix this we just got to mm-hmm. work together to get it and you know we'll, we'll get there in the end and we're heading in the right direction that's the most important bit we are heading in the right direction we're making those those changes so just to sort of uh, sum up before we go on to the, to the final bit, we find out a little bit about your personal taste in things. Dig under your skin a little bit. Uh, where would you say CCS are with things in this area at the moment and where do you think they want to be in the near future? So, uh, Where we are at the moment, we have, um, we have a dedicated CNZ project. Um, so that's a Covenant Zero project team, which is made up from a cross across all areas within CDS. So, you know, people are involved in it ranging from not just the person running a commercial agreement, but um, right the way through to um, some of the people sitting on our um, expo on the on the board are involved with it. We have everyone involved in this project help move it forward and make sure contact us and could be helped in their plans and what they want to do. And we can help not just the customers, but also the suppliers as well, helping the suppliers. We say fit for purpose, but like I said earlier, most of them are there. They're really good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things. You know, I often say, you know, we're giving our suppliers a virtual hug just to say, you know, you know, well done. You know, 
this is really really good you know and yeah. um so yeah and ccs is committed to it we, we, you know on, on helping this and making it move forward we're, we're getting stuff we're getting information on online as soon as we get it we get it online so people have got it we're running training courses we're looking at a customer related training courses soon as well all free you know so jump on you know see how we can help and um yeah we'll, we'll keep working hard on this i mean it's only a small project isn't it up until 2050 so uh <laughs> we'll keep going on it we will absolutely keep going Andrew, that's that's excellent. I'm I'm now going to um, send you hurtling towards the final segment of the po- podcast, which is which we call Desert Island Supplies to avoid a copyright lawsuit from the BBC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is where I ask you: there's three things you can take. You're going off to a desert island. There's three things you can take. Uh, you, you start with this kind of person that might flourish on a desert island, Andrew, in, in, in many ways. Um, but you are allowed to take three things with you, a luxury item, an album, or you know, whether it's streamed or vinyl, whatever you want to take it, what format, and a movie. So first of all, what would your luxury item be? My luxury item, I've been really thinking about this. Uh, first I thought a saw. Um, <laughs> I like but I'm taking it, I'll, 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 you know, I'd be able to do certain things there. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But, um, Practical. One of the what yeah, one of the things I do um to relax is I'm what's known as a colorist. Mm-hmm. So I coloring pencils and you know, away I go. It's it's just something I do to relax. A lot of people, you know, sort of like joke with me because I tend to concentrate on dragons. I just yeah. I, I enjoy coloring dragons mm-hmm. and ogres and that kind of stuff. Um so for me it would have to be have to be a supply of uh of my pencils to to you know kick back. On the on the desert island with my feet in the sand and enjoy enjoy drawing. It sounds like the perfect thing to take. Uh, what would you be listening to? What would you pick to listen to while you're doing that? Yeah, um, this was the easy one. Right. Actually, um, group wise, it was easy. Album wise, not so much. You can just and, put the group and, if you want. No, I, I, I did ah, okay. settle on the on on the uh, on the album. Oh, very good. What very was, good. I um, I mentioned basically I came up with the theme or the idea of the sustainable domino because yeah. I happened to be listening to Genesis Domino at the time and it's okay. like, it suddenly struck upon a thought oh yeah yeah I can do that so the album I take is from Genesis mm-hmm. um, there was two that were in the running which was uh, and then there were three but the one I'd actually go with in the end was Live Over Europe which was okay. done in about two thousand and six it's a double album it's got most of their classic tracks on it some good uh, new ones and of course it's got Domino <clears throat> excuse me it's got Domino on it as well so that would definitely be my album brilliant and what what movie are you taking when, when you know when you, maybe you're, you're putting down your colouring pencils and you're giving Genesis a break what are you going to watch <laughs> what are going to watch now part of me would instantly would say oh you know it's got to be something environmental because I'm an environmental person and mm-hmm. uh, often mm-hmm. joke with my friend saying I'm the long haired hippie treat I go but um, and I so I was thinking about a Netflix film called Kiss the Ground, uh, which is mm-hmm. about soil health. And I thought no, because in all honesty, when I just wanted something fun, mm-hmm. I've ended up watching this other film, which I've watched loads of times, <laughs> but I would still take it with me, and that is Clue. Right. So that's the uh, the film that is based on the Cluedo board game. And for those Absolutely. who don't know, in America, Cluedo is simply called Clue. 
So it's, yep. uh, yeah, it's clear. So a comedy, murder, mystery sort of thing built around the ball game. Very good. Yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant, anarchic hour and a half of just fun. It really is. And I've quite enjoyed actually various posts and articles <laughs> I've done. I've quite a line for it. I really should recognise this is a line from Clue. You know, it's... Um, yeah, I'd often use the expression, I know I said it, I was there when I said it. Um, <laughs> it's, another, it's, another one. <laughs> yeah, it's another line from the film. That I, but um, yeah, that, I, I was thinking, no, that's that's got to be the one. Even though, I mean, Clue was done, I think it was back in the 90s, I think it was filmed. I think it was the 80s, Curry, man, the 80s. It was brilliant. Yeah. Might yeah. be, yeah, might be 80s. Might be the 80s, might be, so, might yeah. be going back that far. Uh, that's brilliant. That sounds like. A, that sounds like. Do you know? It sounds like. Uh, I get a sneaking suspicion that you, you're almost thinking to yourself, "That would be quite nice, that desert island." But that stuff with me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you go, if you if you suddenly go missing, me, you know where you are. <laughs> I'd be on a. I'd be on a desert island, and mm. yeah, absolutely enjoying enjoying listening to some prog rock classics, drumming along or colouring along. And That's uh, in the shelter, I, I, I think I'd quite enjoy that. Excellent. Andy, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, that's been great. And it's been really good hearing about, you know, such important topics as well and how those things are being approached at, at CCS. That's it for this week. I hope you can join us for the next episode of Supplycast. Bye. <laughs>